Thanks, Pastor Francis. Good morning, church. Yeah, I'm so glad that you can join us on this Sunday morning. You know, wherever you are joining us from, it's really good to have you with us. And I hope that you are adjusting well to our new normal. You know, most of you would have gone back to work. Uh, classes for most students are still online. I know the restaurants and the kopitiam are being uh, back to being filled with people. You know, more businesses and more shops are opening. And, but if there's one thing I wish uh, that didn't return was traffic jams. You know, traffic jams. Man, you know, the roads are packed with cars. Uh, in fact, it's even more jammed now. You know, Taipan. If you've gone to Taipan of late, uh, Taipan is even more crowded than before. Uh, but it's a good sign, you know, for us in some sense. Uh, it shows that the economy is picking up once again. And I pray and I hope that all of you, you are staying strong and you are staying healthy uh, during this time. As all of you know, because of the MCO, our church services have gone online. And it was something new for all of us. Uh, it was, in some sense, uncharted territory for all. And I would like to take this opportunity to appreciate certain groups of people who have been serving week in and week out since we had the MCO. And I want to give a big shout to our media team and also to the music team. You know, these two groups of people have been serving non-stop. You know, church, you know, oftentimes you don't get to see the whole team working on screen. You know, all we see is just an hour or so of our online service. But man, you know, they are constantly working behind the scenes, pulling in long hours. You know, some of the music team have to record their parts late in the night after their families have gone to bed. You know, even right now, church, as we are doing this service, there are easily nine people working behind the screen which you do not see. And each of the platforms where our services are being showed, whether is it on Facebook or, or is it at Church Online, there are also moderators or hosts welcoming and greeting people too. And so, I would like to take this privilege to an opportunity to say a big thank you to all of you who are serving. Thank you, guys. You know, thank you for the guys in the sound room as well. And uh, for those of you who are joining our online service, you know, you can type a big thank you in the comment section. That would be extremely wonderful, you know. Truly, because of these people, we are able to do this week in and week out. You know, we are able to reach out to more people. You know, we are able to connect with the Word of God and we are able to worship God collectively as His church. You know, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. you know, thank you all for serving. Thank you for being part of this big family of God. And you no know, church this morning, we want to dive into the Word of God as we continue on the theme of family. And for the past three weeks, we have heard various messages concerning family. We have heard of what it is to be a happy family. And we are reminded about the words of the Father. And last week, Pastor Don reminded us to live a legacy for the family. And today, as we come to a close of this month's theme, I would like to encourage all of us to begin to have a shift in our minds to have a shift in our hearts and in our lives so that truly we can be the family God is calling us to be. You know, be it in our physical, biological family or at large as a church family. 
So church, this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, would you go with me to the book of Colossians, okay? The book of Colossians. The book of Colossians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul, and he has some valuable and practical insights for all of us in living as a family of God. And we'll be reading from verse 1 all the way to verse 17. Okay, if you have Bibles with you, please you go with me to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to take it from verse 1. Verse 1 says this, and I'm going to read to you from the NIV translation. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And verse 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as this, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, uncircumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, each other and forgive one another if anyone, any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them to all together in perfect unity. A couple more verses before we end this passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wow, it's quite a lengthy passage, but we're going to dissect this passage together. And this morning, I'd like to entitle this morning's message as a beautiful mess. A beautiful mess. A beautiful mess. You know, come, let us pray even as we look to God's Word this morning. Father, once again, we thank you for today. We thank you for the moments that we share around your Word. It's through these moments that we catch a glimpse of your plan. We catch a vision of who you are and what you want us to do in this life. And so, Father, have your way in us. Holy Spirit, Speak to us, challenge us, strengthen us. So Lord, we thank you. We commit the rest of this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. You know, church, you know, I'm generally somewhat an organized person, you know, if I can be. You know, on a scale of 1 uh, to 10, you know, 1 being totally unorganized and 10 being extremely organized, I would probably rate myself a 7 or a 10, you know, depending on the mood I'm in. But I have to say, that completely changed when my two boys came about. You know, with two young boys, there is no such thing as being organized in the house. You know, things organized neatly in the cupboard, well, I would say that is a rare species now, and it's on the verge of extinction in my home. Huh? And I learned there is such a thing as organized chaos. And uh, somehow, it just seems to happen every day, you know. You know, my son's toys are everywhere in the house, as you can see it on screen. Uh, you know, thankfully, thankfully, they have not brought those toys to the bedroom yet. And uh, no matter what I do, you know, every time after the toys have been packed away uh, in their own containers, in their own shelves, uh, I would say less than an hour, uh, the chaos would seem to emerge again. You know, everything would seem to be uh, cluttering everywhere again. You know? It's like I cannot run away from the mess. Uh, but I guess to my boys, they'll be probably thinking to myself, hey, no, daddy, daddy, uh, why should we keep away our toys? Now, if I'm going to play with the same toys every single day, why do I need to keep it and put it back in the shelves? Why can't I just let it be everywhere, you know, so that I can play every time, all day long, you know, that kind of thing? Uh, well, if I can't get rid of the mess, uh, I thought to myself, you know, I just got to learn to live with it, although uh, it utterly irks me, it stresses me out. Now, for those of you who are parents, uh, for those of you who are grandparents with young kids, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And, and church, I'm thinking similarly, we, just as how homes with young children can be messy, families can be messy too. Uh, and it's simply because there is no one perfect family. There is no one perfect family. There is no one family who has got it all. If there is a perfect family out there, please do let me know, and I would love to pick your brains on how you approach family. But the reality is there is no one perfect family. There is no one perfect family. We are all perfectly imperfect. Come on. We are imperfectly, we are all perfectly imperfect. It's simply because all of us, Although we are created in the image of God in a general sense, we are also created differently from one another. We have different characteristics, uh, we have different personalities, our temperaments vary from one another, even though we may come from the same gene pool. And so, families are a little bit messy. And church family is also messy. The church is also messy because... The church is filled with imperfect people. But there is good news for all of us. Friends, it is okay to be messy. It is okay to be messy. It's okay to not be that perfect family, you know, so to speak. And, and you know, would you go ahead and type out in the comment section, it's okay to be messy. Okay, go ahead and type it out in the comment section. And friends, it's because Jesus loves His church. Jesus refers to the church as His body. He refers to the church 
as his bride. And Jesus, he has made his bride beautiful. And Jesus, he loves this beautiful bride. Jesus, he loves messy people. Jesus, he loves messy families. But the question we ask ourselves today is, how do we approach this messy family? How do we deal with the messiness of one another, whether in our own biological families or in the church? Now, whether we realize it or not, it can be a little bit tricky trying to navigate our way, trying to live among people. You know, just ask any newly married couple and they will tell you there is tension even at the start of the marriage. There's going to be some adjustment to one another. There's going to be some changes in perspectives. There's going to be some give in and taking in and giving away in the way we do things. There's going to be some conflict as well. So the question is, how do we approach this messy family? How do we approach this messy family? You know the passage that we have read earlier? It is part of the letter which the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in the city of Colossae. You know, the Colossians were mostly Gentiles and they were mostly non-Jews, but they were being pressured to follow the Jewish law by a certain group of people. And this certain group of people were adding extra rules. They were adding false teachings to the faith. Uh, you know, Hawken would say this, you know, these people, kegao, you know, kegao, add here, add there, you know, that kind of thing. And some of them were so proud of themselves uh, for having certain heavenly visions, you know, and getting certain supernatural insights and knowledge to God. And these people, they were boasting away and thinking they were far more superior than the rest. And this group of people, they even started to impose their spirituality on others. Wow! Can you imagine this? You know, talk about messy people. The believers of Colossae are on a whole new level of messiness. And so Paul wrote them this letter and he reminded them of certain things of what it is to walk with Christ or what it is to be a believer and how to live as God's people. And so church, this morning, here are a couple of things for us to consider. Here are a couple of things for us to chew on as we ask ourselves the question, how do we approach this messy family of ours, be it our own biological family or our church family. And so the first thing that we can observe from this passage concerning how we can approach this messy family of ours is that God is more interested in our character over our comfort. God is more interested in our character over our comfort. It is always our character over our comfort. And perhaps that is why at times God doesn't remove us from a difficult situation so that we can grow through that situation. Perhaps that is why at times God doesn't remove us from the storms of life so that we will learn to be anchored and rooted on Him. Perhaps that is also why God places people in our lives to shape us, to mold us, to be more like Him. 
And perhaps that is also why there exists some difficult family members or church members. You know, some of you might be thinking, but pastor, I'm not really grateful for, you know, person so-and-so, you know. I'm not really thankful for this person. You know, I'm not really appreciative, you know, for this thorn in my flesh, you know, for this constant annoyance of a person. Now, God knows how many times uh, that person has gotten on my nerves and I just wanted to kick that person, you know. And, and friends, I totally get you. You know, I feel your utmost irritation and annoyance. But God is more interested in our character over our comfort. He truly is. And we will find throughout the entire Bible God is always more keen in a person's character than their comfort. And church, until our character lines up with our calling, that discomfort is going to be there for a long, long time. Colossians chapter 5, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says this Put to death. Wow. That in itself sounds extremely uncomfortable. Put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as this anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Wow, again, putting to death, putting on the new self, friends, that is uncomfortable. Okay, let's continue. Have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Church, it is not easy. It is tough. You know, this is some meaty stuff for us to chew on. And I find it a challenge, even myself. You know, during the MCO, you know, all of us uh, had to stay at home unless uh, you had to go out to get food or groceries or your work is part of the essential services or you have to, or you are a frontliner. You know? Otherwise, everyone was required to stay at home. And if I can be honest with you, uh, it was a little bit tough, you know. Uh, not that working from home was tough. You know, I've learned to enjoy working from home. But rather, it was tough because I have no more personal space. My personal space has been long gone, thrown out the door when MCO started. And I, by nature, I'm an introvert and I love my personal space, you know, to, I, I, and I need my me time to recharge and recover. And those of you who are introverts, you can identify with me. And so, I didn't have any more personal space. You know, I was constantly surrounded by people, uh, by my family. You know, I really love my family. I adore them. But I still needed my personal space. And it was extremely uncomfortable for me. And I, because I wasn't getting the time for myself, you know, I was getting a little bit agitated uh, than usual. I was getting a little bit more irritable than usual. And I didn't like what was happening to me. I didn't like the me that I was becoming. 
and friends. I had to come to terms that, you know what? Perhaps this MCO may be for some time. And as we all know, it was for several months. And uh, perhaps it could also be a new way of living and doing life. And I just have to adjust to it. I have to step up in handling myself. I have to learn to deal with not having any more personal space. I have to live with that sort of discomfort in some sense. And church, I believe it was the Holy Spirit really prompting me saying, hey, Jared, you need to man up. Come on. You need to grow up. And perhaps this morning, perhaps the Holy Spirit is also prompting you to do the same thing. For you to stretch, you need to grow. Maybe the Holy Spirit is challenging you this morning and says, hey, you need to work on your character and your attitudes. And perhaps some of you need to hear this today. God is not going to remove certain family members or certain church members or certain people or certain individuals in your life because God is way more interested in who we are, in our character, over our comfort. He truly is. And God is using the people. He's using the messiness, the messy people around us for our growth. And so, next time, church, whenever we feel annoyed by someone, you know, when we, whenever we feel a little bit irritated by someone, thank God for them. You know, Lord, thank you for this pain in the butt. No, no, no. Thank you for this person you have put in my life to help me stretch. Help me not kick him, but to grow in this. You know, thank God for the messy people He has placed in our lives. You know, turn to the person beside you, whether you're at home watching this, and tell them, I thank God for you. Huh? I thank God for you. I'm not saying the person beside you is messy, okay? I'm not saying that. But tell them, I thank God for you. Huh? I thank God for you. And this leads us to our next observation of Colossians chapter 3. Uh, because God is way more interested in our character over our comfort it is always our being over our doing. It is always about who we are over what we do. Now, church, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what we do in life is not important. You know, I'm not saying that how we live is not important. That's not why I'm saying it all. No, 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 no. Come on. What we do is important. How we live, the choices that we make are important. But friends... What we do on the outside comes from who we are on the inside. It is from the inside out. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, what is inside of us, who we are, will be seen in how we live our lives. No, we may say all the right things. We may even have the right Christian jargons. We may even look like a Christian. But if our hearts are not right, eventually it will be seen in our actions and it will really show if we truly are a believer and follower of Christ. And that is why Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Again, this is about being being holy, being dearly loved, okay? Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Being first, then the doing. The doing is important, it is necessary, but the being is first. Huh? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, the being over the doing. We can only forgive, which is the doing, when we realize we have been forgiven. The being, okay? And verse 14, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. And so, Paul was very clear and he was being consistent with what Jesus teaches and exemplifies for us. The doing is important, how we live is important, but the doing comes from the being. It comes from who we are. And, and probably you might be asking questions, how does this relate to the massive family? Well, church, if we desire to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with one another, forgiving each other, loving each other. If we want to do this in our messy family, be it our biological family or our church family, it's very clearly stated here, we become God's chosen people. We be God's chosen people. We be holy. We be dearly loved by Him. And when we be that, the doing comes as a byproduct of our being. Our being comes first, then the doing. And even as we come to a close, as I invite the worship team to come and get ready. But again, church, it is not easy. It is not easy at all because it means a total shift in our perspective. It means a total change in our mindset. It means an overhaul of the system if we have yet to be on board and if we have yet to learn to walk the talk. Because friends, the reality is there are going to be days when we don't feel like God's chosen people. In fact, we would feel more like a bunch of messy people. There are going to be days when we don't feel like we are living up to the standard of holiness which God is calling us to be. We would feel more like we have messed up our lives. There are going to be days and times when we don't feel dearly loved by Him, even though we know that God sent His Son for us. And Paul, he knew there are going to be days like this. He knew that when putting a bunch of messy people, messy believers of Christ together, there are going to be days when it is not smooth sailing. And so Paul reminds us to do this one thing constantly, and that is focus, focus, focus to realign our focus back to who and what that is necessary to help us be that people God is calling us to be. And Paul brilliantly wrote this at the start of the passage that we read. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. It's focus. 
Where Christ is, sit at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Again, focus, not on earthly things. He also wrote at the ending of the passage that we read this morning, in verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. It is focus as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God. Again, this brings our focus back to God. Okay, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, focus. Our lives is not making much about us, but it is all for the glory of God. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Focus. Focus on things above. Focus on God. Focus by dwelling on what Jesus did for us. Focus on the fact that our redeemed lives are not our own. Focus on the one who was and who is and is to come. Focus. And church, as we learn to focus, as we realign our vision towards God, I believe with all my heart that we can be faithful to be the people that God is calling you and I to be in our families. That even in our messiness, we can be that beautiful, gorgeous bride that Jesus awaits. And church, that is how we approach our messy family, be it our biological family or the church family. So focus on who, who is eternal and on what matters the most 